one of the things I'm going to <clears throat> talk about here this morning is the idea of excellence. And I, I want you to think about that word for just a moment. What do you think of when you hear the word excellent? Now, that may be different for you and what immediately you think of. You might uh, think of, I, I think of Michael Jordan, you know, excellent at what he did. I think of football dynasties like the Dallas Cowboys, how they have five or the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they have Super Bowls and Super Bowls, Green Bay Packers, things like that. You might think of a musician that was exceptional at what he did. You might think of a meal. I think of Thanksgiving when Grandma brought out everything that anybody possibly wanted. If you went hungry, it was your fault. And everything tasted wonderful. And if I didn't think something tasted wonderful, there was something else that would take its place that was excellent. I think of things like that and most likely you do too. You know what I don't think of when I think of excellent? Beans and rice. I love beans and rice, but I don't think excellent. I think common. I think average. You know, I don't think of, um, even though right now they're in the World Series, I don't think Chicago Cubs when I think excellent. I just don't. Because they're not. (laughs) They've been the bottom dweller for a long time. I don't think of things like that when I think of excellent. I don't think common. I don't think um, less than good. You know, I don't think of those things. The word excellence means the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. That's what excellence is. The word excel that's used in the Bible, according to Strong, is to superabound, to be in excess or superfluous. It's the cause to superbound or to excel. That's what we think of. And when we think of this idea of being excellent, it ought to motivate us to do certain things. No one wants to hear, you're going to go far in life. You're average. <laughs> That's not going to work for us. That's not going to motivate us to do any better. And this morning, we're going to talk about a particular area of being a family of spiritual excellence. And that's our discussion. So when we think of being excellent, we're thinking of being extremely good, super abounding, excelling in this area of being a spiritual family. We can do a lot of things as a family that's not spiritual. We're looking at excellence in being a spiritual family. And to do that, we want to look at two different stories. We're not going to read both of these, but we want to look at both of these examples. And I chose these examples because I believe that they express excellence in what they did, that they expressed excellence. They took extreme measures to be a spiritual family. One is from the perspective of a, of a husband and a father, and that being Abraham. And it may seem like an odd place to go to look at the sacrifice of Isaac as a place of spiritual excellence for the family, but I hope it will make sense to you. And the other is from a perspective of a, of a mother or a wife, and that being that of Hannah. I get it? So, uh, we want to look at being uh, good and excellent, super abounding, and being a spiritual family. We're going to look at Hannah, and we're going to look at Abraham. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, the story is, God was testing him. And so he told him to go and sacrifice his one and only son, uh, to that was the son according to the promise to sacrifice him to God, and he went and did that, and as he raised his hand, this uh, hand was stayed by the angel, and he did not end up sacrificing his son. And there's some things about that story that I think can help us understand the excellence in leading his family, even though he was sacrificing his son in that moment. 
The second, being Hannah, and we find in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah had been barren, and her, her husband's other wife had children. Now, Hannah was loved by Elkanah. I don't know if that's how you're supposed to say it, maybe Elkanah or something like that. I'm going to say Elkanah because I didn't look it up uh, on how to say that, but I would probably revert to Elkanah even if I did know how I was supposed to say it, so I'm just that's just what I'm going to do. So Elkanah is married to two women, and Hannah he loves, uh, but the other one has children, and Hannah is bothered by the fact that she does not have children, and the other wife lets, reminds her that she does not have any children. And so they go to the tabernacle, they go to Shiloh to worship, as was their custom, and Hannah begins to pray. And she's praying, her lips are moving, but nothing's coming out. And so uh, she's pouring out everything she has. And Eli the priest sees her and he says, woman, why are you drunk? You shouldn't be here intoxicated like this. And she says, I'm not drunk, I've been praying. And I'm praying for uh, a child. And if I get this child, I vow that I will deliver him to the Lord. I will give him to the Lord's work. And that's exactly what she ends up doing. She has a child, his name is Samuel, and she dedicates him to the Lord. So we're going to look at both of those particular areas of both of those to understand a family of spiritual excellence. Let's start with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 9 says, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. What we see from this is that it was Abraham's intent to, to gather all the wood, to build an altar, and he took his son, bound him up, and he was going to sacrifice his son. He was dedicated to that. Why would he do that? Why would he actually put his son on that altar? Because he trusted God. He trusted God more than he loved his son. And that's pretty good. That's excellent. <laughs> that's super abounding. His faith was a, an excellent faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 17, says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Where am I supposed to be pointing that? Is that way? Okay. Of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. What Abraham had confidence in is that God would keep his promise. That he believed that he would even raise him from the dead if that was necessary. Whatever it took, God would keep his promise. Now why would he believe such a thing? Because God had proven himself faithful already. God said, you're going to have a son. He said, I'm too old to have a son. Sarah's too old to have a son. And yet, here they are with a son. So yeah, God would raise him up. Whatever God says he'll do, he'll do. So I'll do whatever it takes. I'm going to show my trust in him. And I want you to know that Isaac saw that faith. Isaac saw that trust. He was the one laid on the altar. He knew what his dad was doing. In James chapter 2 and verse 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. A, a family of spiritual excellence must see one another's faith. See their faith in action. See their faith in what they're doing. Believing, trusting in God that no matter what, God's going to do what He says He's going to do. That I believe that, and so that dictates how I live my life, how I function, and how I do things. Isaac saw it. There was no doubt of the faith of Abraham, and his child saw that, and his child grew up to have that same faith. And if we want a family of spiritual excellence, we need to show our family our faith. And then we turn to Hannah. So Hannah is gone to, the, to this tabernacle, and she is praying. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 10, notice this. It says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Uh, Elkanah tried to comfort her. Am I not good enough? Is my love to you not better than ten sons? And she said, but I want a son. Who'd she turn to? It wasn't Elkanah. It wasn't even Eli, the priest. She turned to God. And she wept. And she bargained. And she said, if you give me a son, he's yours. He belongs to you. I'll never cut his hair. He'll be, he'll be in your service. So Eli comes along, thinks she's drunk again. And this is her response to the drunk comment. It says, but Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a, a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. She poured out her soul. She gave it her all. She turned to the only one that could answer that prayer. And that was God. So she expressed her faith in God in a time of need. As a family, what do you do? When you have a need, who do you turn to? Do you turn to God? Do you turn to other things? Do you turn to work? Do you turn to, to other people? Do you turn to counselors and all these other things? Who do you turn to? We ought to be turning to the Lord. Just like Hannah did. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 31, it says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do you trust God that much? Do you trust God enough to go, you know what? I don't have to work 80 hours a week to make this work. I need to spend some time with my family in prayer, in singing, in worship, in spiritual things, in showing my faith because I don't need that extra 10 bucks or whatever. 20 bucks. To show that I trust in God. That my, my trust motivates and sets my priorities. That's what your family needs to see. That's a family of spiritual excellence is one that expresses complete trust in God in so much that it establishes your priorities. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. That's my number one priority because I don't have to worry about clothes. I don't have to worry about food. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff because God says he'll take care of me. And I trust him. And that means that I'm going to put him first because he'll do what he promises. So we see the faith of Abraham and the faith of Hannah helps us to understand excellent faith in a family. So Abraham gathers all his items of worship and he begins the journey and Isaac is there with him and he's carrying some of this stuff along. And I want you to notice what Isaac says to his father. In chapter 22, verse 7, says, But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now we might look at this and go, Oh man, I wouldn't want to be Abraham right now. What a tough spot to be to go, Well, son, <laughs> you're the lamb. I don't know if that, that would just be tough. But I don't want to look at it from that angle. I want to look at it from this angle, from Isaac's point of view. Why would he say that? Here's the fire. Here's the wood. Where's the lamb? Where would he get the idea that there was a lamb to be sacrificed? Because this isn't his first time. They'd worshipped God together before. This was something that was customary. That Isaac knew enough that they didn't have a lamb. That he knew that there was something not quite right about this picture. Because he was used to going with his dad to worship. And a family of spiritual excellence is one that worships. Let's look at Hannah for just a moment. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 3 says, The man went up from his city yearly to worship, that being Elkanah, and sacrificed to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hafni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a, do- a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provor- provoked her since severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Now, a lot of times we're going to study this, and we're going to think about the rivalry and the difficulty and the challenges that she faced. But I want to notice this. It was customary for Elkanah to take his family to worship. And there he gave them a portion to sacrifice. To Hannah he gave a double portion. And notice this verse. So it was year by year. Every year they had gone up to worship just like the Lord had directed them to do. Every year it was customary. It was Elkanah's custom to give them the portions to go year by year to, for the, to the house of the Lord so that they could worship together. And a spiritually excellent family is one who habitually worships the Lord. Now we can talk about being spiritually average, spiritually mediocre, spiritually alright, but that's not what we're discussing here today. We are discussing a family of spiritual excellence. Superabounding, a superabounding family is one that worships the Lord. 
Notice Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 18 says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign in your hand. (coughs) Excuse me. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You need to know the word of God. You need to live the Word of God. And you need to teach the Word of God to your family. That is your responsibility. No one else's. You need to turn to the Bible before you turn to the latest Facebook entry. You need to turn to the Word of God before you turn to the, to the fantasy stats. You need to talk about the Bible with your family. The Bible ought to be integrated into the discussions that you have. You might talk about a Facebook entry. What does the Bible say about that? You might talk about fantasy stats or football or basketball or whatever. What does the Bible say about this situation? You know, I don't know. I don't know how how I would get fantasy whatever. Well, let's talk about reality. There's lots of ways that we can talk about the Bible. There's things in life. The Bible is written as a living word. And it's to direct us and help us. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. (coughs) So there's all kinds of things in the Bible that helps us understand life. In general, what, what is going on in my life? What principles can it help me? And we need to talk about those things in our family. Maybe that set a specific time to talk about the Bible, to study the Bible with one another. But certainly it needs to be more than just that. It needs to be talking about Bible principles, doing Bible, doing real life things. There we go. In James chapter 5 and verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. A spiritually excellent family is one that prayer and praise is commonplace. That that's what's normal. That it is seen and evident and they all praise together and your family worships together. Lori has told me in time past that you would always hear her grandmother singing now she sang some folksy songs to which Lori could help you out uh, with some of the words to those folksy songs but most of the time she was singing church songs and if there was ever an argument that was going on she would sing angry words (laughs) that was her custom to try to get people to calm down because she did not like to hear arguing so here you have her integrating Bible things in the, dif- in the difficult situations and uses singing. <laughs> singing about Bible things. So she, that was something that was commonplace that Lori saw whenever she would go to visit her grandma. She'd be in the kitchen and she'd be cooking and she'd be singing. Or she'd be talking to them or listening to them talk and play games and all that stuff and she'd be singing. That needs to be commonplace in our home to praise and to prayer. Uh, to be in praise and prayer to God, and that needs to be what's 
accepted as normal in your home to be exceptional. And in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 12, in the Old Testament uh, custom, it says, Gather the people together, men and men, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. It was a custom in the Old Testament to bring people together every seven years. Notice who came together. Men, women, children. Little ones. Didn't matter. You bring them all. And you want to bring them all to hear the, the law read so that they can learn about their God. They can learn about the law. So it was customary to bring them together to do that. Now notice in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 31. <clears throat> Maybe. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. When you can come together in, a, in an assembly like this and sit next to your family and worship God together, there's nothing better. I've been places where I have to go by myself. My family has to stay behind. I don't quite enjoy that as much as having my kids with me, having my wife with me while we're worshiping together. If I don't hear, she hates it when I do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, if I don't hear her soprano in my ear, singing's off. It's just not right. It's something special about having us all together in worship. And a spiritually excellent family makes it a priority to attend the assembly. Not just Sunday morning, not just Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, but any time you have an opportunity. We're talking about not being average. Not being what's just acceptable. What we can get by with. I've lived enough of my life trying to just get by. Tried that in college the first time. It didn't work. Let's not go through life just trying to get by. Let's try to strive for excellence. And that means when we have an opportunity to worship, let's worship. As a family. That's what it means to be spiritually excellent. Now I know of a family... <clears throat> That that's not what they did. That when a baseball tournament came around, they went to the baseball tournament. Now they would go to church any other time except when their son had a baseball tournament or their daughter had a golf tournament or whatever was going on. If that, that took precedence. So they would go do those things. Well, the son is now in college. And he called his mom and dad and he said, I'm not going to go to church. I don't want to talk about it and I don't want you to send anybody here. I'm just not going to go. How sad is that? You know what he's also not doing? He's not playing baseball anymore. Baseball's fleeting. That goes away. He's in college now. He wasn't good enough. Most aren't. They lost their son because they didn't make it a priority. They got by. It was all right. They were pretty average in attendance. But they went to baseball tournaments instead. Not every week. You know, two or three. They certainly didn't excel. And we're talking about excelling and they lost their son to the world because of that. <clears throat> 
This is serious. We see Abraham in verse 10 that he stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was going to do it. He was going to go all the way. He was dedicated to the Lord. He was dedicating his son to the Lord. And certainly that's the case with Hannah as we see in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 24. Now when she had weaned him, she took up with her uh, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. Am I not doing this right? Something. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you there praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. He's mine, but I'm giving him up. God did what he said he would. I'm going to do what I said I would. I said I would give him to the Lord, so I'm going to dedicate him to the Lord's work. Now, both... Abraham and Hannah went to extreme measures to get, dedicate their children to the Lord. To, to give them both up. Isaac, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. Hannah gave him over to Eli the priest to do the work of the Lord. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. A spiritually excellent family is one that is individually dedicated to the Lord, regardless of the cost. Your family needs to know that you love the Lord more than you love them. And that you'll sacrifice them for the cause. You'll give them to the Lord for the cause. You dedicate them to the work. And that's what's most important. Your family needs to know that. <coughs> In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Scripture says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Your primary goal as a leader of your family, your primary goal is not to get your kids into the best school or get them the best job. Your primary goal is not to let them become a major league baseball player or an NFL cheerleader. Your goal is not to make sure that they become the next rock star or first chair in the Philharmonic. Your job as a parent is to get them to heaven. That's your job. And you do whatever it takes to get them to heaven. My greatest fear is to be a failure at that. I do not want to see my children anywhere else than heaven. Because that's my job. My job is to get them there. To illustrate this, think about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man was in torment... And he said, I don't want my five brothers here. But it was too late 
for him to do anything about it. And someday it's going to be too late for you to do anything about it. And you dedicated them to be a rock star. You dedicated them to be a cheerleader or whatever it might be. So that they go to the, to Harvard or whatever school it might be in your mind, MIT, whatever. So what? The moment after they're dead, they don't care that they went there for school. They don't care that they were a baseball player. All they're going to care about is eternity. And that's why we've got to make sure as parents that that's our primary goal. Is to get them to heaven. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The family of spiritual excellence has their mind set on things above. That that's where your affections are. That's where you care about. And your kids see it. Your spouse sees it. Your whole family knows that you're motivated, dedicated, to the Lord. And you're going to do what you can to dedicate them to the Lord as well. So a family of spiritual excellence is one that superabounds in faith. A family that habitually and faithfully worships God. It is a family that is dedicated to the Lord. First, above all else, including family. You can be average. You can be all right. You can just get by for a while. But if you want to excel, if you want to lead your family to be spiritually excellent, then follow these things just like Abraham and Hannah, two people that went to extreme measures to show excellence in spirituality. You go and do the same for your family. And if there's something that we can do as a spiritual family here to help you in that endeavor, to help you in any way that you might have a need, please let your desires be known by coming forward and sitting on the front while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.